Well, it is good to see all of you out this morning. We're glad that you're here with us. And it's good for me to be back in the pulpit as well. Uh, and I enjoyed my time away, but I'm also glad to be back as well. So it's good to see all of you out this morning. Today we're continuing a series of lessons that we began um, a couple of weeks ago. We began a series of lessons that deal heavily with the plan of salvation and the reason that we are saved, the things that we have done in order to be saved. Today's lesson is entitled, Godly Repentance. And we're going to look solely on the act of repentance and how important it is to our salvation. A couple of weeks ago, our lesson was on faith. And faith, as we have studied is required for salvation. We understand the importance of hearing God's Word, studying God's Word, of believing God's Word. Without faith, without that belief, we cannot be saved. However, contrary to popular belief and teaching, faith alone will not save anyone. And we're going to focus on today the need for repentance. And there are a lot of people that teach that faith alone is all you have to do, have to save you. That just simply believing in God, you're already saved. That's not the case. That's not what the Bible teaches. And it's important that we teach in its entirety what the Bible teaches. So, other than faith, what is required of anyone wishing to be saved? Repentance is necessary. And there are other things as well. We know that we also need to confess Christ. There's importance that is given to that. In confessing Him, we are saved as well. And also in baptism. You know, it's important that we are baptized for the remission of our sins. Just as Peter stated in Acts chapter 2, as was our scripture reading. But repentance is of the utmost importance. And in some ways, maybe one of the things that is maybe seen as not so important. But repentance is important to our salvation. Today we're going to look at what types of repentance are found in the Bible. And there are some different usages that we find of the word repent. We'll look at the difference in the meaning. And also what the word repentance means and doesn't mean. And we're going to look at what repentance is commanded by God. We begin with repentance of the Bible. What the Bible teaches us about repentance. The words repent, repented, and repentance are used numerous times in the Bible. And some vary in meaning from one translation to another. But we need to have a good understanding of how the word is used to know what God wants us to do. Now for the first part of our lesson, we're going to use the King James Version because... There are some ways that repentance is used in the King James Version that is translated in different ways in other translations. But I wanted to look at some verses that speak of repentance 
from the King James standpoint. I want to begin in Genesis 6. If you would turn to Genesis chapter 6 and follow along. We understand that there are some places, and actually I have a whole sermon, that is dedicated to when God repented. And there are some places where we read that God actually repented. Now obviously we know that God is perfect. We know that God is definitely not one that is in need of repenting of sins, as we are taught in Scripture. So there are some different usages of the word here, and especially in Genesis chapter 6. But we understand that God repented, that He had created man in the days of Noah. In Genesis 6, and beginning with verse 1, it says that it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair. And they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh. Yet his days shall be an hundred and twenty years. There were giants in the earth in those days. And also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. And in verse 5 it says that God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth. And it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth both man and beast, and the creeping thing, and the fowls of the air. For it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. We understand from this passage that because of man's wickedness, God repented that he had made man in the first place. In other words, he had regret. He had sorrow over the fact that he had created man. And that's what the word repent means in this passage. <coughs> Similarly, we read that after Saul had transgressed God's will and not fully doing what he was told, talking about Saul the king of the Old Testament, that God repented that He had made Him king over Israel. We read that in 1 Samuel chapter 15. The word repented as used in 1 Samuel 15 implies also 
regret or sorrow. Now God regretted that He had made mankind because of their wickedness. And likewise, He regretted appointing Saul as king because of his repeated transgressions and his behavior and to authority. He had behavior that was not becoming of a godly king. And he had a lack of respect for the authority that was instituted by God. And so we see that God repented. He regretted. He had sorrow over the things that he had done. Had he made a mistake? Not necessarily. God knew all. He knew how all of these things would work into his perfect plan. But he did have regret. He did have sorrow over these things. Another usage of the word repent is found in the case of Judas in Matthew 27. We see that Judas repented after his betrayal of Christ. It's very understand that we import, under, it's important that we understand how this is used in this passage. Matthew 27, and beginning with verse 3, says, Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself, and brought again the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned, and that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? See thou to that. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. We can understand from the context of what is read here that Judas did not truly repent of his wrongdoing. He only regretted that he had betrayed the Christ. He understood what he had done. He understood that it was wrong and he had regret. He had sorrow over what he did. But we do not read here that he changed his life. We do not read here that he came back to service. He left and he took his own life. As we've seen, the King James uses the word repent or forms of it in different ways. And more often than any other translation, at least that I'm aware of, other than maybe the American Standard Version, which is very close in wording oftentimes. But though we have to be careful of the usage at times, we also can learn from these instances and how the word is used here. That repentance does require regret and or sorrow. However, regret or sorrow does not save one from his sins. That's not what we're talking about as we look at repentance in the New Testament. John the Baptist 
or the baptizer, however you want to refer to him. And Jesus after him, they both taught repentance for forgiveness of sins. Matthew 3, verses 1 and 2. Matthew 3, verses 1 and 2. It says, In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Turning to the next chapter, we read in Matthew chapter 4 and beginning with verse 12. Matthew 4 and verse 12. Now when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he departed to Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea, in the regions of Zebulun and Naphtali, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And upon those who sat in the region and shadow of death, Light has dawned. An obvious reference to Christ Himself. In verse 17, From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Since Christ had not yet died at this point, we understand that John and Jesus both were preaching a baptism of repentance to the lost Jews. They wanted, they desired, their main goal was to bring the lost Jews back to proper service of God. But we also understand that that is not the only baptism that we read of in scriptures. Because after Christ's death, the apostles began preaching repentance as a means to the forgiveness or the remission of sins along with baptism. Notice what is said in Acts chapter 2 and verses 37 and 38. At the end of Peter's sermon, it says that when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We understand that the people, upon hearing all of these things that Peter was saying about God and about the things that the prophets had foretold, when they understood, they understood that they needed to do something about their lives. They understood that they needed to do something 
in order to be right with God, but they didn't know what. And so they asked the question, what shall we do? They were given the answer, repent. Be baptized. Why? For the remission of sin. Repentance was necessary. It's one of the things that they were told that they needed to do. And we're told a little bit later on that Peter gave them many other words. He spoke many other words to them explaining what they needed to do to be saved. But repentance was a requirement and is a requirement today for all who want to be saved. Now, let's look at what repentance is and what repentance is not. Repentance as defined by the world is this simple definition. The action of repenting. Sincere regret or remorse. And we understood that from what we read earlier. The Bible teaches that more is involved with repentance than just regret or remorse. Notice what is said in 2 Corinthians chapter 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and beginning with verse 8 it says this, For even if I made you sorry with my letter, this is Paul speaking to the Corinthians, Even if I made you sorry with my letter, I do not regret it. Though I did regret it. For I perceive that the same epistle made you sorry, though only for a while. Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance. For you were made sorry in a godly manner that you might suffer loss from us in nothing. For godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation not to be regretted. But the sorrow of the world produces death. For observe this very thing that you sorrowed in a godly manner, what diligence it produced in you, what clearing of yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what vehement desire, what zeal, what vindication. In all things you proved yourselves to be clear in this matter. Repentance is regret or remorse of past actions and failure. But it also leads one to be saved through full obedience to God's Word. It was not that they had sorrow over what they had done that Paul was talking about as bringing him great joy but it was the fact that they sorrowed to the point that they were led 
to salvation. They were led to obedience. You see, repentance leads to salvation. It alone does not save us, but it does lead us to being saved. We also understand that confessing Christ and being baptized for the remission of sin, those things lead us to salvation. But without repentance, without sorrow to the point of change, one will perish in his sin. Notice 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any, any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You see, repentance in God's eyes is changing one's life and direction. Though one may regret how he has lived, sorrow alone does not save without change. So the repentance that we understand that God wants us to have is a repentance that leads us to change. Not simply regretting what we have done, but changing our behavior. Let's look a little bit more at the repentance as it is commanded by God. Repentance leading to salvation. Preaching to the lost of Israel. We read this in Acts chapter 3. Verses 11 through 21. Acts 3 and beginning with verse 11. It says, Now as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon, greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified His servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for a murderer to be granted to you and killed the Prince of Life, whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. And His name, through faith in His name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through Him has given Him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Verse 17, he continues, Yet now, brethren, I know 
that you did it in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But those things which God foretold by the mouth of all His prophets, that the Christ would suffer, He has thus fulfilled. Verse 19, Repent therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that He may send Jesus Christ, who was preached to you before, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all His holy prophets since the world began. Here we read of repentance that leads to salvation. Repent therefore and be converted. These people had not yet been converted to Christ. So they needed to repent in order to be saved. We read this also. We also read in scriptures of repentance as a return to faithful obedience. Notice what is said about Simon the sorcerer in Acts chapter 8 and beginning with verse 14. Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who when they had come down prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them. And they received the Holy Spirit. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, Your money perish with you because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. You have neither part nor portion in this matter, for your heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent therefore of this your wickedness, and pray God if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. And Simon answered and said, Pray to the Lord for me, that none of the things which you have spoken may come upon me. See, Simon had been obedient with all of the others. The repentance that Peter spoke of in Acts chapter 8 was a return to faithful obedience. Repent. He would already obeyed, but he needed to repent of the things that he had done wrong. And that's what we're talking about here. And so he asked him to pray for him that none of the things that you have spoken may come upon me. Unfortunately, we're not told anything else about Simon the sorcerer. We do not know if he continued in proper service of God. But it does seem that he at least had the right idea if he didn't have the right heart in asking for prayer on his behalf.
read of the seven churches of Asia also. I'm not going to go through all of them. But I do want to read what is said to the church of Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2 and beginning with verse 1. Revelation 2, verse 1. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. But this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitan, which I also hate. This church was told that they were doing a lot of good things. They were doing a lot of things right. However, they had left their first love. 